to another generation. Just quickly, this message is for everybody. It says, elders, you need to listen. Um, all inhabitants, you need to listen. Your children need to listen. And then tell their children and tell their children the generations. This message is so important, you all need to know. This is it, verse four. What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. Awake, awake, you drunkards, and weep and wail, all you drinkers of wine because of the sweet wine, for it's cut off from your mouth. So he's saying, hey, even you drunkards, you must wake up. You must get this attention. A nation has come up against my land, powerful beyond number. Its teeth are lion's teeth and has the fangs of a lioness. It's laid waste my vine and splintered my fig tree. It's stripped off their bark and thrown it down. Their branches are made white. Lament like a virgin wearing sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. The grain offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn, the ministers of the Lord. The fields are destroyed, the ground mourns because the, gra the grain is destroyed. The wine dries up, the oil languishes. We'll unpack that a little bit later in the coming weeks, especially that last verse of the grain and the wine and the oil that is, is gone and removed. But um, quite interestingly, God led us to preach through the book of Joel at the start of 2020. In 2020, in fact, in probably just before that as well, in 2019, off the back of 2019 to 22, we started preaching on the book of Joel, and little did we know that God was really uh, divinely preparing us for the COVID disaster that was about to come. And so while we were preaching on Joel, lockdown happened, COVID came, and this pandemic happened, and we just saw the world just fall apart. And you'll know everything that happened. The world faced this attack. There was destruction, very similar to what's described here. There was absolute despair. Resources were being depleted. We saw the world like we haven't seen it before. And even now, we're still seeing remnants of the destruction and the disaster that came out of COVID, out of this moment, out of this plague that swarmed across our world. The very same way God's described to Israel, look how all these locusts have come and then the next one has come and the next and the next. Look at this invading army that's going to come and destroy. Wake up, you drunkards, you priests, you elders, you children, everyone listen. Your world is falling apart. It's being destroyed and there's hopelessness and there's despair. God is saying, can you see it? Do you see what's happening? We saw the world fall to its worst. But we know this, God is saying to the church, when the world is at its worst, church, you need to be at your best. When the world is falling apart, you need to listen to what God is saying. Hear the season you're in and know how are you and I to respond. Church, how do we respond when the locusts come? How do we respond when the invading army comes and attacks your world? How do you respond when your world is falling apart? God says we are to respond in prayer, a people who turn to God. In this moment, we've seen that God is revealing that his gospel is to reach all nations. That when this attack comes, there's a harvest to be reaped. There are men and women. The kingdom must flow. Now, if you look at, there's this flow through the book of Joel. And like I say, you can look at this at home. But we see that there's this locust invasion. And in that moment, the attention of men and women is grabbed. God says, I'm going to get your attention through a disaster. Something's going to shake you. And then he says there's a call to repentance, a call to turn back from God. What do we do when our world falls apart? Well, even people who've forgotten God eventually say, I've got nowhere to go but to God. So God says, fine, if the locusts are going to get your attention, I'll send the locusts. 
God got our attention. He says he calls us to repentance, turn back to God. And then God promises restoration. God always does this. He says, when you return to me, I will save you. When you come back to me, I will restore you. Whatever's been taken, I will restore, and even better than it was before. And this is God's cycle. He says, I'll get your attention, you repent, I'll restore. And then he says, I'll even pour out my spirit, and all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. First point, we ought to respond in prayer, church, because destruction has come to this world. But God promises restoration, and especially restoration in the hearts of men and women. So what should we do when the locusts come in this invading army? We pray, God, bring your restoration. Let's go to our next passage. It's in still in the Old Testament. It's a book in, uh, called Haggai. One of the prophets in Haggai chapter 2, verse 4 to verse 9. It reads this. From verse 4, it says, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak. The high priest, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. How awesome is that promise? God says, don't worry. My spirit is still with you. Don't fear. Verse six, thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. What's amazing about this passage, God says, I am willing to and I am going to shake all nations of the world. Whatever that means and however that looks like, God is saying, I am going to shake all nations. Have you felt the world being shaken lately? Does it feel like this world has been shaken? Have you felt there's a change that's happened? There's incredible changes happened in the last two years. The way laws have changed, the way rights have changed, the way people have responded, the way you and I are living, the fact that masks on your mouth is a common thing these days, that's changed. Your world has been shaken. The way economies have been shaken, the way we deal with sickness has been shaken, the way we deal with people has been shaken, the way we travel has been shaken. Everything, everything has been shaken. There's struggles, there are uncertainties. I'm thinking about your personal life. I do not know a single person who can tell me my life has not been shaken in the last, while, wow, in the last two years at least. I do not know a single person who can say, no, no, it's been slow and steady, it's been great, it's been smooth. Our lives have been shaken. You might wonder, why has it been shaken? Well, God says he was, he's gonna do that. God will shake the world. God wants us out of our comforts. God wants us out of our resting in the things that we feel will save us. He says, no, no, let me shake you and let's see what stands and what, what holds. In the book of Hebrews, the writer who wrote that book in the New Testament, he quotes from Haggai 2, from this passage we've just read, and he says this in Hebrews 12, verse 26 to 29. He says this, at that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, listen to this promise, 
Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Once again, when God shakes the world, it gets our attention. Shaking will shake your comforts, and it reveals what have you built. What have you built right before God? But what have you built in sin? Or what have you built in yourself? Or what have you built for yourself? What are the things that you are living with that won't honor God? God says whatever you are building, he's going to shake. He's going to shake it and he's going to test it. And he says whatever falls is not of God. Now, isn't God gracious that he would do that? Shaking is horrible. It is uncomfortable. But it is so valuable. Because God is willing to shake your life to say, let me see what you're building. And let me see what shouldn't remain and what shouldn't stay. And the good news is that what does remain, God says, this is of me. This is of me. This glorifies me. This is built well. This is built on Christ. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 3, there's a passage that says that we all, as Christians, we build on the foundation that's Jesus. But whatever we build on top of that will be tested by fire. And then it says, and some of you, you'll get into heaven as ones just escaping the fire which means everything you built wasn't right. You've lived a life that just was not of God and it all burnt down and I often picture your bum has still got flames on it, but God says, well, you made it into heaven, but everything you built has just been burnt down. The opposite of that is that as we build on Jesus, our Savior, that we choose to build for God, with God, with the Holy Spirit leading us, we build in honor of God and in obedience to God. And when this world shakes, that stays firm. Your world is strong. Your faith remains. Everything you've built in Christ will stand until the very end because it's built in God, for God, with God, and because it's of Him, it will remain. God will shake. God will shake your life. And forgive me for saying this, I pray that he will shake your life and I pray that he will shake mine. Because whatever is here that shouldn't be here will only pull us back and pull us down. It will only stop us building the way we ought to. And our prayer should be, God, may you shake. There's value in it. Shaking will break things down, but it also brings things up. It allows things to break in. Shaking will open up our hearts. Shaking will allow the treasures that are buried deep to come to the surface. And then we also see that with the shaking, the greatest treasure gets revealed. And when the nations, when God says, I will shake the nations, he says that the treasures of all the nations shall, shall come in. What are the treasures of all the nations? It's people. God's greatest treasure across all nations is people. God's heart has always been for people, to save people to have people come in. So God is willing to shake the nations. Why? So that people will come to him. The treasures of the nations can be found. Men and women will come before God and say, Lord, you've shaken this world. This world is not our home. This world is not our belonging. This world is not our security, but you are God. The treasures will be found. 
It's beautiful to see that what cannot be shaken is of God's kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. So through the shaking, God is bringing us back to the importance of our relationship with Jesus. Again, how are you building? Who are you building for? Who are you building with? What are you building? So church, why should we pray? We should respond in prayer because God is shaking this world. We need to respond in prayer that what needs to fall will fall. And that the treasures that are people in all nations, that they will come to Jesus. The treasures of the nations will come through. We need to respond in prayer that we will be firmly built on God's kingdom and that we will not shake and we will not fall, but we will remain firm and strong. I want to encourage you even this morning, if you know God is shaking you, don't avoid it. Don't try and hold everything up. Don't try and keep things in place. Just let go. If God is shaking your world, go before God and say, God, I just surrender. You're, you're a fool if you're going to try and beat what God is shaking. It will fall. But if you surrender, and I want to encourage you, I really feel this morning, there are some of you here this morning, God is shaking your world, and you do not know what's going on. Just surrender. Say, God, shake it. Shake it, God. But I pray whatever you want to remain, let it remain, and whatever needs to fall, help me to let those things go. And we're going to pray later on. We are. And I even feel some of you, we want to pray with you this morning. Because shaking is hard, and it's incredibly uncomfortable, and it feels like your world is falling apart. But if God says he's doing it, Remember, what does God do when we come back to him? He restores. So God wants to restore whatever's fallen down. Whatever he's breaking down, he says, I've got something better that you need to build. God wants to build your life. He wants to build your family. He wants to build your marriage. He wants to build your career. He wants to build the call he's got in your life. He wants to build your hearts. But let him shake what you're building. But some things need to go. And we want to pray for that this morning. All right. Second last passage is in Matthew 24. From verse 3, Jesus knows about the shaking. This is what he says in Matthew 24, verse 3. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things will be. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Isn't that a really sought after question? Maybe sought after, maybe some of you don't want to know when the end of the age is. But many people say, God, when will this world end? How much time have we got left? I need to know what I can and cannot do. Have you ever wondered that? Do you want to know when the end of the world is? Some of you are like, ignorance is bliss, Lord. Just don't tell me. Don't tell me it's tomorrow. Let me just have a good night's sleep. But if it's tomorrow, I can't go to bed. But they ask, Lord, tell us. Get, tell us, when's this going to happen? Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. No one. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. They will lead many astray. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. Have you heard those? I'm sure you have. There's one right now. There's many right now. See that you are not alarmed, church. Do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, earthquakes in various places. These are but the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation. They'll put you to death. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will increase, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom 
will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. I know many people do not like to talk about the end times. And what I'm not asking you to do this morning is to go get your bunker ready, because that would be ridiculous. I hope you don't have an end time bunker, although I'm sure you've got lots of tuna and batteries, and that's pretty helpful. But here's, here's the reality. We are living in the end times. We're in them, right? The period between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming, you and I, were in it, which means we're in the end times. The apostles said we're in the last hour. So if we're in the last hour 2,000 years ago, I'm not even going to try to do the maths, but it's less than an hour in what they were talking about. Jesus is coming soon. And we need to be aware of that. And what does the, the passage say? Jesus says, church, don't be alarmed. There are wars, rumors of wars. There are earthquakes and sickness and, and all this is happening. Do not be alarmed. Do not freak out. Do not run into a bunker. You know it's coming. You know it's happening. You know Jesus will come back and you know the end is coming. But we are to respond, church. When we know the end is coming, we need to be the ones who stand up tall, stand up straight with confidence and boldness because we know the one is coming is our savior. And we know that he's coming to rule and reign upon this world that he loves and that he chooses to save. And we are to respond in prayer, not in fear. We're going to see that the nations are going to continually be shaken throughout history. Jesus says, do not be alarmed. Our respond needs to be in prayer because we are in these end times. And our respond needs to be in prayer because we are called to reach the nations in some way. By us reaching the nations, we can quicken Jesus' second coming. If you read that passage, it says, when we reach all nations, then the end will come. That is our call, church. That is our mandate. Now for us, you might say, I'm not going to all the nations. Well, why don't you start with Morning Hill? That's the nations. Start with Bedford View. Start with Kensington. Start with Primrose. Start with your own suburb. Say, Lord, I want to reach the suburb for you. Because Jesus, you say you're coming back and this is what you've asked me to do. How do I reach these people? And when people are panicking and the economy is falling and viruses and vaccines and, and Elon Musk busts Twitter and the world's freaking out because a man bought Twitter. Church, do not panic. Do not be alarmed. Be confident in your savior. Be confident in your king because he rules and he reigns and he's sovereign. He says, ask of me and I'll show you what you need to do and what we need to do as the church. Last passage in Revelation chapter 5. It's very metaphorical, this passage. Again, go home and read through it, but I want to highlight some key points here. In Revelation 5, verse 1 to 10, it says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Notice that. No one. No one. And no one means there's no one. Not you, not me, nobody is able to open up this scroll. But then one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb 
standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes and with the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, incense which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. It's this incredible picture. And those scrolls represent the, 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 the history of humankind throughout the ages, throughout all the periods of this world. And it says, who? Who has the authority? Who has the ability to open these scrolls, to preside over history, to reign and to rule over history? Over every area that humankind goes to, there's not a single one who is worthy or has the authority or the ability to rule and reign over the history of all humankind, except for one who appears, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, that all links to a man, Jesus, the lamb who was slain, the man who ransomed you and me so that we can be with God. There's one in this world who has the authority and the ability to reside, preside over history, over all history, and that's Jesus. In Revelation 5, it encourages that no matter how bleak the situation is, Jesus will always remain in control. Him alone. This book of Revelation, which many of us are fearful to read because we think it's so daunting, it's so reassuring instead. It tells us that even when the events of human history can seem to be spiraling downward, Jesus remains in control. He remains sovereign. Our response as a church should never be panic or fear or fatalism, but instead to respond to God the way that the elders did and those living creatures did. You are worthy, Lord, to reign and to rule over all history. Right now, on this very day, the 1st of May, 2022, in the midst of everything that's happening, who has the authority to rule and reign over all humankind at this very moment? There's only one. Jesus, you continue to rule and reign. Why? Because you have all authority. You have all power. You are the only one who is right to reign. You are seated on the throne, you and you alone. And what should our response be, church? Again, in the midst of all that's happening, our response is to pray to Jesus because he has all authority. He is in all control of how this world will unfold. Let me ask you this. If you could choose to pray to anyone, anyone, someone who's alive right now or someone who has lived before throughout history, if you could pray to anybody and anybody that you could bring your request to, who would you choose? Who would you pick? And sadly, some people are picking politicians, or celebrities, or heroes, or socialists. Um, who would you pick to bring your prayers to? I can tell you now that God alone is your best option because there's no one else who can rule and have the authority that Jesus has. There's no one who loves you more than Jesus loves you, and there's no one who knows what lies ahead other than Jesus. It's to him that we pray. So church, can I ask the band to come up? So long, please. So knowing the state the world is in, the plagues that are coming, 
the invading armies that are coming upon this world, the shaking that is taking place, the question God asks is, church, how will you respond? When your world is being shaken, how will you respond? We need to be a people who choose to pray. Pray. And remember, prayer is simply your eyes coming off of you and looking upon Jesus and saying, Lord, I look to you. I look upon you. We pray to find peace in Jesus, to hear his will, to desire his way forward, and to see how he will use us. We need to be a people who pray. This is a muscle you and I need to grow. If you say, I'm not a good prayer, that has to change. I don't even know what a good prayer is. I really don't. But I'll tell you what, my grandfather, he didn't know much. His theology wasn't perfect. I mean, there was stuff he said, I was like, oh, that's, that's wrong. But I'll tell you what I saw every single afternoon. He had a picture of Jesus in his garage, and he stood at the end of the garage, and every afternoon, I would stay in the kitchen, there he was talking to someone. Like, Who's he talking to? And there he was, with his hands folded, and just talking about the day, and talking about life. He was talking to a picture of Jesus on the other side of the garage, but that was his relationship. His theology wasn't perfect. He was Afrikaans speaking in English, and he got stuff wrong. But I'll tell you what, his prayers, I'm telling you now, were answered. I know they were answered, because I'm fruit of his prayer. The fact that I have a beautiful wife and four amazing kids, sure, it's because of prayer. Prayer. Prayer impacts this world. Don't be fearful of prayer. We need to. So we're going to respond in prayer before I start crying about my granddad, but let's stand up. What we're going to do this morning is to help with prayer. We're going to pray through a psalm. Kyle led us this morning through a psalm, and we don't know what to say, but God's Word does. God's Word speaks continually throughout the ages. So we're going to pray through the second psalm, Psalm 2. It's going to come up on the screen. We're going to read through it. And we're going to pray through these points. We're going to pray for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Please lock the doors now. (laughs) I'm going to ask, if you want to get into groups, you can get into groups. But if you want to pray alone, because that makes you feel comfortable, that's perfectly fine. I do not mind how you pray. If you want to kneel, you kneel. If you want to come and march up and down the sajah, you march up and down the sajah. If you want to sit and pray, you can sit and pray. If you want to pray with your wife or your husband or your kids and you hold their hands, you do that. But all I'm asking, church, is that every single one of us, we engage with God. Engage with Him. Look to Him this morning. And we're going to pray through this psalm. And I'm, some guys might come up and they'll grab this mark and they'll pray every now and then. But I'm not going to ask too many words to come out up front. I want you to pray. And pray loud, please. Pray loud. Just so we can hear these voices. So let's read it together quickly, this psalm. And then I'll give some points you can pray through. So Psalm 2, is it there? Cool. Uh, let's go from verse 1, please. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. That's a big point. The world is raging. Kings think they know what's right and they're saying, God, we are better than you. We are greater than you. We do not need God. That's what the world is saying. They are raging against God. Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. But look at this. He who sits in the heaven laughs. God laughs when men and women say that they are going to rule and reign and they are in control. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he'll speak to them in his wrath and terrify them with his fury saying, Ask for me. Sorry, as for me, 
I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. He laughs at them, but he says, the king is set. His name is Jesus. We have a king who is there. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I'll make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron and you'll dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. But blessed are all who take refuge in him. We are living in a world where many are saying we do not need God. We are greater. We have this all set in place. We are in control. And God says he laughs at them. And he says, you'll be in derision. You do not know the way forward. And he says, I laugh because the king is set. Jesus rules and reigns. So if you want to get in some groups, let's get there now. We're going to start praying. And let's pray for this first point. The first point I want us to pray for is we go to the first few verses. If you can have that psalm up, please. And for those of you at home online, pray at home where you are. But let's pray into those first few verses. Why do the nations rage, the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves. Can we pray for our world? Can we pray for our leaders? Can we pray for people who think they've got all control, but they don't? God says, why are you doing this? Why are you against God? Can we pray against the systems in this world that are trying to go against what God is doing? Let's begin praying. Go for it. Pray for God's sovereignty, for God to rule and reign. Pray for verse 6. I've set my king on Zion, my hill. Pray that the king will be known, that you would know the king. Pray that the world won't trust in the rulers of the nations, but will trust in the king. Let's respond in prayer, church. The world is shaking. The plague has come. Let's pray. Let's pray for this world. Prayers are like incense rising up to the throne of God. Let's keep praying. God says, ask, seek, knock. Let's ask Him. Let's seek. Let's knock on doors. Let them be opened. 
Trust Him. Humble yourselves before Him this morning. The King is set on His throne. The Lord laughs. to the 8th verse ask of me and I'll make the nations your heritage the ends of the earth your position pray for the nations pray for people name some nations name this nation name a nation on your heart pray for those people pray for those governments God says this ask of me I'll make the nations your, your heritage your inheritance I'll give you the ends of the earth your position church pray for the nations men and women to be shaken that the treasures of the nations may come before God pray for our country pray for Africa pray for the nations ask of God give us the nations Lord contend for them it's a promise ask and he'll give Nations will be impacted this morning by your prayer. Cities will be impacted this morning because you prayed for them. People in suburbs will be impacted because you're praying for them without them even knowing. Ask of God. If you can pray in, 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 in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit when you don't know what to say. Let Him lead you. Let Him move. Pray. Let this world be shaken today because church, we prayed. out a map pull out a map have a look at it say Lord who do I pray for pray over that map God you reign over the nations rule over all humankind Jesus you alone to that last verse where it says Lord blessed are those who take refuge in you when the plague has come and the shaking is happening I pray for men and women for your family for your colleagues your friends Lord may they come to you God may people find their safety their salvation 
their peace in you, God. May people find refuge in you. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord, as they find refuge in you. You might even have people in your heart. Name them. Name them. in your groups or if you're alone you want to come to the front if you're feeling shaken if you feel like a plague has come over you and you know you need to surrender but this is hard and not easy ask someone in your group just pray with me don't have to give the details just say I feel like God is shaking me pray with me that I can learn to let it go and I want to ask anyone who's even alone if you're on your own please come to the front got our deacons and our elders who just love to put their hand on your shoulder and just pray with you prayer has impact prayer changes so if you feel your world has been shaken good respond to what God is doing this morning don't fight it you cannot fight God shaking you submit to him trust in him so if your world has been shaken now Ask someone to pray for you. Come to the front. Let's pray for you. No one's going to know you've been here. Let's pray for you. this morning this morning Barry woke up with such faith that praying for someone to be healed was healed he's going to share this this is not the testimony that I usually enjoy because it's a testimony without evidence but it's a testimony with a great 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 assurance I've been walking around with a person probably for four years and the story of the life of this person is one of bondage and it's one of brokenness and I've counseled my heart out and I've opened my heart and I've loved my heart out and I've done everything that I know in this person's life and it just doesn't change and in my quiet time this morning time doesn't permit but the Lord just put some things in my heart that just caused a faith to rise up 
and I picked up my uh, cell phone and I saw that this person had tried to contact me at two o'clock in the morning and then sent me a little message. I'm, I'm, I'm really in trouble. I need help. So I went back to the Lord in prayer and I began to pray. And I prayed and I prayed. And then after a while, I moved on to other people that I were praying for. And all of a sudden, the Lord dropped this into my heart. Barry, I've heard your prayers and I've healed. And I've got an absolute assurance in my heart this morning that this person that I have walked with for so long, that we've struggled together for so long, that God has heard and that He has healed as of that moment. And now it's a question of just working it out. So I sent him a message and I said, God has healed you right, right now. And I'm looking now for the evidence to see that fruit in, in this person's life. But I know that it's so. And with a heart full of faith this morning, I'd like to pray with you. If you've been in a place for any period of time where you've struggled and you've prayed and you've done everything that you know, I believe that together we can stand and we can look to Jesus this morning and we can trust Him in His unique way, specific to you, to come and to meet your needs this morning as you take your eyes off your need and you look to Jesus. So if any of you are struggling with sickness, illness this morning, come to the front. Barry's going to look to Jesus with you and we're going to trust him for that. All right, listen to this word from Kirsten. Hi church, um, God just gave me a picture earlier this week and I've really just been praying into it um, because it's very specific and it's a big deal and I believe that there might be someone or some people and I feel that it is a male, a man. Um, that God has given you resources. I don't know if it's finance or talent, but it brings life. Um, the picture that he showed me was pouring water, but into a lunch tin and closing the lunch tin. And when you pick it up, the water falls out. And instead it needs to be poured and stored properly in a water bottle. So this resource or this talent or this decision that you need to make, you've been coming to the Lord and saying, you've given me this, where do I put it? That it has been going to the wrong place. So I just feel that you need to press in with Jesus, press in with God, and He will show you where to place, if it's a new business, a resource. I've been praying, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I just feel that the Lord is saying, in, for a long time it's been going into the wrong place that it needs to be placed where it can be stored and cultured and grown correctly so just press in if that is you press in with the Lord he will show you where to put that resource that finance that that business he wants to show you the right way but press in with him So words of knowledge are important. It's a way that God gets your attention. So you might not have heard God speaking to you. God has said to Kirsten, I want to give you a picture. It might apply to you. If that's you, she's in the front here. Why don't you come to the front? Let her just pray with you. Um, but that's how God speaks sometimes, with a word of knowledge that He'll give to someone else that's meant for you. So if that's you, again, don't fight it. God's speaking. God's wanting a response. Let's do it.